0: chapter 6, if you will, we're going to continue looking this morning at uh, Satan's strategies, and this is uh, attack number two, and then we're going to kind of move off and do some other things starting next time, and uh, we, I was looking at this, I, I don't do too much without purpose and intent and forethought, or little thought, uh, sometimes it seems that way, but we were, had spent some time studying uh, Satan's church and go into Satan's church and what it looks like in Scripture. In Scripture, it's called Baal worship. And uh, the modern manifestation out there, you see it in Christianity. Uh, You can say, well, we can see it in the Roman Catholic Church, but you can also see it in denominationalism. And they just carry a little different title here and there, but you do see it. So when when we're looking at this issue of the strategies, Ephesians 6, if you will, verse number 10, Ephesians 6, verse number 10, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Our Heavenly Father, as we come this morning and we look at these strategies by the adversary, that we would just take them to heart and use the information, the knowledge, and the understanding to be careful with in our own lives, in our own ministry, as we Seek to bring honor and glory to you, that we do it appropriately, and adequately, and correctly. In your name, we pray. Amen. You'll notice here Paul's exhortation in verse number ten: "Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil." And then in verse thirteen, he talks there about putting on the take take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand and there's an exhortation here by Paul to stand in Corinthians he tells the Corinthians we're not ignorant of his devices and the wiles of the devil. It's like the wily coyote idea. there's strategies there's a he's got uh, he, he's got a strategy to deceive you he's he's got some tricks up his and Paul calls it, uh, a little bit uh, later uh, uh, in verse 16, the fiery darts of the wicked. And that issue there uh, of there's some, some mechanisms, some strategies that the adversary has developed since Genesis chapter 3, actually probably prior to that, and how he's going to come along and try to cause you to not stand as who you are in Christ. He can never remove you from who you are in Christ. You're it. You're done. You're golden. Okay? Uh, and, and I know what happens. Uh, come over to 2 Timothy 2. People go, well, you know what? What about the guy who's saved and then he commits murder and all this stuff? Well, you know what? He's still saved. He didn't lose it. L- look, if you will, at 2 Timothy 2. Look at verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithfully, he cannot deny who? Think about that. I don't Whether you like it or whether you agree with it or not, if you're in Christ, he can't deny himself. You may come along and, and you may say, well, you know what? I think you're wrong and I think this is it. And it, and it doesn't matter. You're still where? In Christ. And he's not going to deny himself. He's going to come along and say, you know what, you're mine, here, boom, there it is. Well, you can argue all day long till the cows come home about whatever it is you want to argue about. The matter of the fact is, in the end of the day, you're still his. And you can't lose that. The adversary knows that. So, But he's developed, go back there to Ephesians 6, he's developed the mechanism. Actually, chapter 4, verse 14 gives you a kind of an, a, a wonderful idea that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Isn't that interesting? He's going to tell the Timothy over there that they're they're going to be seducing spirits, and they're using doctrines of devils, and that's going to be the second attack, by the way. But notice, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Come over to Colossians chapter 1. So the adversary has got some strategies. Paul says, withstand. The, the adversary is going to come up. He knows he can't remove you from who you are in Christ. He knows he can't remove you from being blessed with all spiritual blessings. He knows he can't remove you from being complete in Christ. But he can put pressure on you, and he can put push against you and push against that that will cause you to move away that'll cause you to leave that identity, that'll cause you to come over here and be something you're not. Colossians 1, look at verse 23. Colossians 1, 23, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is is under heaven, Whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Notice that. Be not, what? Moved away. But how, do you, how are you not moved away? You continue in the faith, grounded and settled. You, you get an understanding. You don't have to get it all. Believe me, I don't know it all. I never would say I did. But you get an understanding. You get a rule. You get the, the maturity going and you maintain it. You protect it. You guard it. You don't allow the adversary to come in and move you away. And the tactic that he uses, that's what we're after, the tactics. How does he do this? Come over to Galatians 6. By the way, in in verse 23 there, from the hope of the gospel. Ooh, man, could you imagine voluntarily giving up your hope? Well, that's what was happening at Colossians, Galatians 1. They were... They had a humility, voluntary humility. They were voluntarily just giving it up. Man, the adversary just works, works, pounds, pushes, pushes. And he's got tactics. He's got a strategy. Galatians 1, verse 6, I marvel. Watch Paul. Watch Paul's language here. Galatians 1, verse 6, I marvel that you are so what? Soon, not 10 years later, not after a lifetime, but what? Soon. It's as if Paul had just been at Galatia dealing with them. He's teaching them. They're learning. They're chapter 3. He's evidently crucified right in front of them. They're excited. And all of a sudden, the onslaught comes. So soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto what? another gospel which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would, notice, pervert the gospel of Christ. Look at that, Paul. He They're re- being removed from Romans' doctrine. And and, and it's not a delayed t- It's soon. It's right after the moment. Bam, as soon as they get into understanding Romans' doctrine, the doctrine of Romans, the Corinthians have the, the, the issue of reproof and they're fixing the bad behavior. They're not behaving as... Romans' doctrine of grace is designed to teach you to behave. And the Galatians over here, they're mixing law and grace where God says, by the way, look at chapter 3. There's just, we're going to do this again. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Bewitched. That takes you back to the witch of Endor where Saul comes and says, hey, I need to talk to Samuel. He's dead. But I need to talk to him. And the witch says, no, no, you're getting me to do something I no, I'm not supposed to be doing. And, you, and he, she raises the dead. And we know what, God, what Paul's telling them is, is, listen, God said the law is dead. Romans 7. You've raised it up and are now trying to do something and live a certain way that matches the law, and all you're doing is frustrating grace. They were what? Bewitched. They were, come over to 1 Timothy 4, they're told to do something that God, they're told to live by something that God said is dead. By the way, so soon removed from what? from him who called you unto the gospel of Christ, unto uh, another gospel. That's fascinating, the tactic, being moved away from the message. Go back there to Galatians 1. I left it too quick, sorry. Be not moved away. Galatians 1, 6 and 7, verse 8. Again, dispensational issue here. Verse 8, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Revelation 14, there's an everlasting angel that comes out and preaches the everlasting gospel to the Gentiles. And you know what it is? You better fear God the Creator, not Christ died for your sins. It's very interesting. Why does Paul... I always uh, fascinated me why Paul would reference or an angel from heaven. Why? He's got the book of the Revelation sitting on the table there. He knows what's going to come out in the future. An angel from heaven's going to preach a gospel to the Gentiles that is not Paul's gospel. It's something else. But what are they saying? Hey, let's go over here and another gospel. Let's follow the earthly ministry of Christ and the four gospels, don't you know? And they got you doing this, but they also pull you out over into the ages to come and Let's meddle there for a while. Paul said, by the way, notice in verse 8 carefully. But though we are an angel, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Notice, this is on the preacher. This is on the communicator. Now watch verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again. By the way, if Paul repeats himself, you better pay attention. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have what? That's on you. Isn't that interesting? He says, if the preacher's preaching wrong, but you sit there and take it and listen to it and receive it, you're in trouble too. That's uh, I'm like, that's we're just gonna go fishing. We're done. <laughs> Why? That's the gravity of the moment, 1 Timothy 4. That's the seriousness of this strategies, of the attack by the adversary. What's he doing? He's messing with the message. He's getting you over here doing something that God isn't doing today. We were talking in the break there, you know, talking to folks about, hey, can you uh, go drink a gallon of Drano and see how you do? You can't. Why? It isn't, well, you can probably call poison control and be okay, but God's not going to heal you. It's still going to hurt you. But why? Because God's not doing that today. He's doing something else. But what does the adversary do? Hey, boy, boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to go over and pick up a rad little snake on the, on the hiking path and then not bite you, not mess with you? If you get it right, I, yeah, but I won't get it right. So, you know, it's like the guy that asked him, you know, you're not supposed to put your face down there. He had a bite, got bit on his face. You're not supposed to put your face down there, dude. You know? Anyway. 1 Timothy 4. Look at verse 1. Here it is. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Giving heed to. So what are you doing? You're doing Galatians 1 9. You're receiving it into you. You're giving heed to. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing the the wiles of the devil. The scheming of the devil to seduce you away, to draw you away. By the use of doctrines of devils. uh, By the use of a religious system. A teaching system. A doctrinal framework where Satan comes along and he's trying to substitute your thinking and your viewpoint and human viewpoint for the viewpoint of God's Word. For the message that God has given. That's why we went back and I showed you the la- last time, Joshua 9, the two places where that word wild, W-I-L-E, is used. Joshua 9, now go back to Numbers 25, because we got to get number 2 today, and we better hurry before I get killed from the nursery help. Somebody asked me last week, why'd you quit at noon, because I'm always good for 12.10 or 12.15, and I said, because the nursery help (laughs) threatened mayhem and violence, and I'm like, and I don't, mayhem I'm okay with, it's the violence part that I don't like, (laughs) because there's, there was quite a few of them, and we counted, I think we counted like 17 or 18 little guys, so that's it's a lot over there. But uh, number Numbers 25. So last time, we looked at that issue in the Old Testament of the word while, so that we could see how they're used. And in Joshua 9, the first attack, Joshua goes in and the, the kings of, of the Gentiles, Joshua's gone up and defeated A, and he did it with a trick of an ambush, and he did it, you know, and, and they know, the Gentile kings know they can't defeat Joshua and the nation of Israel. So they come in and they lay their own wily trick on them. And they get all all dirtied up like they've been on a long journey and they get moldy bread and they do all this stuff. And they come in and they, they look at them and uh, here, uh, look at Joshua 9. Oh. Just go over there to Joshua 9. Verse 6, and when they went to Joshua into the camp of Gilgal and said unto him, and the men of Israel, we become from a far country. Now therefore make ye a league with us. They know Joshua has the word of God, has the law of Moses, knows what Exodus 34 says, knows what the rules are. Chapter 8 there, they've got it. It's right there at Gilgal. And you know what happens? Verse 14, "And and the men took of the victuals. And ask not the counsel, and ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. You know what they did? They got Joshua and the nation of Israel leaders to look at the circumstance and to apply human viewpoint to the circumstance. They got Joshua and them to take the word of God and close it and stick it on a shelf in the corner and come over here and look at the situation and they did it by woe is us. Look at our shoes. Look at the holes in our shoes. Look at the ripped clothes. Look at how poor, look at how moldy. They actually, there in verse 14, they got those guys to sit down and eat the moldy bread with them. They duped them. They got Moses, I'm sorry, they got Joshua to leave the word of God. So, what does Satan want to do? Yea, hath God said? What saith the scripture? Does the scripture really say that? And Satan's drawing them away from the truth of God's word, but he's using human viewpoint. He's hum- using human experience to substitute the viewpoint of God. And that's why this is stuff is so dangerous. It's so, and by the way, it's a slight of men, it's, slight, it's not a big, massive mistake. It's a, just a little movement. When, when he asked Eve in Genesis 3, we'll spend some time there, Yea, hath God said? He knows God spoke. Eve knows God spoke. But just took her a minute to say, wait a minute, did he really say that? <laughs> and he got her. So the first attack by the adversary, the first while major strategy, and we'll see little ones underneath all these as he comes along, And he says, you need to serve the creature more than the creator. And in order to do that, you need to substitute your thinking for God's thinking. You need to work. What does your family tradition say about that? Some of us would say, what does your denomination say about that? Some of us come from the denominational background. What does... Not what does God's word? What did God's word say to Joshua and those guys? No, you kill them, you cut them off, you don't you burn everything, even the hoofs of the house, you annihilate them. And you know what happens? Joshua made a league with them, and those guys became a pain in the neck the rest of the days for Israel. Because they did what? They went after human viewpoint rather than God's word. When you do that, that leads us into attack number two, strategy number two, and that's Numbers 25. So come to Numbers 25. Here is where the doctrine of devils come in. Satan is going to try to cause you to move back into a vain, empty, worthless religious system. Now, we have to remember, God only gave one religion, and he gave it to Israel. In the book of James, it's called the pure religion. And what did Satan cause them to do? Make it into vain. The Lord looks at those Pharisees and says, in vain you worship me. There's nothing here. You take the traditions of men and the doctrines of men and the traditions of the elders, and you make the word of God of none effect. Mark 7. That's dangerous. So here's the tactic. Now, Numbers 25, here's the word, verse 16. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Vex the Midianites and smite them, for they vex you with their wiles, wherewith they have beguiled you in the matter of Peor. That's Joshua 9. Okay? That's where that happens. Notice they vex you with the what? With the while, They're doing something to you guys. Moses, what are you going to do to the Midianites? Wipe them off the map. Get rid of them. Kill them. Why? Because they're doing something to you that's not right. That's how serious this is. Go back up to verse 1. Watch what they did. Watch what the while was. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom. With the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. What'd they do? They went over and joined themselves to that vain religious system called Baal. They broke the first five commandments. Don't have another, any other gods before me. What'd they do? They went over and they made altars. and sac- By the way, if you're going to do a sacrifice to their gods, little g... What it means you got. You gotta have an altar, you gotta have, got have a worship service. Verse 4. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one of his men that were joined unto Baal Pure. Do you see how serious this is? He's wiping out his own people. Because what did they do? They left the truth, the message, the pure. And they attach themselves to a vain, empty religious system. Come over to chapter thirty-one of of Numbers. That vain—I mean—that vain religious system causes God to turn on His own people. That's how serious this is. That's why the adversary uses it. Numbers thirty-one, numbers thirty-one, verse fifteen. Numbers 31, 15. How did all this happen? And Moses said unto them, Have you saved all the women alive? Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of pure, And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. The reason that Israel went after Baal Was the counsel of Balaam. Isn't that interesting? Balaam was a prophet. Balaam taught Israel some doctrine of devils that caused them to go after Baal, and it resulted in God cursing Israel. That's heavy. That's how dangerous the adversary is. Now, come back to chapter 23. So the story of Balaam, Balak, and Baal, the unholy trinity. <laughs> you go over into Revelation, and you got an unholy trinity of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Here they are. You'll, you'll, you know the warning about the going in the way of Balaam, or the gainsaying, uh, the gainsaying of Kor, and the way of ba- all this. Why? Because there's something that's happening here. What I want you to see is the strategy behind it. Chapter 23, verse 1, And Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven ram. And Balak did as Balaam had spoken. Now, by the way, Balak is the king. If you come back to chapter 22, verse 2, And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, Okay, so Balak's the king. Israel wants to cross his land. He doesn't want him to cross his land. So he sends to Balaam and says, hey, Balaam, I need you to do something for me. I need you to curse him. I, he hated Israel. I want you to curse them, And you, you can have the time. We're not going to take the time this morning to go down through it. But what do they do? He goes, every time ba- Balaam goes to the Lord and says, hey, Balak wants me to do this, and God says, you can't curse them. You open your mouth, all you're going to do is bless them." Four times, blessing. Bless. You remember Balaam's donkey? Okay, for the mixed crowd. All right, right word, All right? Why? What's what? You can't do it. So Balaam, every time Balak would say, hey, curse him, Balaam would bless him. Balak paid, paid him. Here's money, man, hireling. Balak got a little mad with Balaam. Every time you open your mouth, Balaam, you're blessing him. I need you to curse him. And Balaam finally says, you know what, hang on a minute. Chapter 25. I'm going, to get, I'm going to teach you how to get God to curse them. Verse 1, 25-1, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredoms with the daughters of Moab. They weren't supposed to mess with the daughters of outside the land, remember? Those outlandish women. Whew. Okay, But yet, what are they doing? They're over there. And they called the people under the sacrifices of their gods. And the people did eat. You know what? They weren't supposed to eat meat offered to idols in the sacrifice. That was a big no no. And yet, there they are. And bow down to their gods. They're worshiping them. Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor. They've gone in. Satan has established a vain religious system. In Scripture, it's called Baal, Baal pure here. It's Baal, and this is this issue of coming in and taking what God's Word said was true and accurate and pure and perverting it into something that it's not and then causing God's people to follow His doctrine of devils, which then makes them unusable by God. And that's the danger. Come over to Hosea 13. A little Bible study this morning. Hosea 13. Several months ago, we did a whole series on going to Satan's church. And and I did that with the goal of getting where we're at here. So you're going to have to rewind your memory and we'll, we'll refresh it here a little bit with you. Because when you begin to look at this vain religious system, Hosea 13, you begin to see a modern manifestation of it. It's called Christianity. That's what it's called. Okay? And what happens is, is, when you begin to see it, you go, uh-oh, I was in that. I did that. But now I'm over here. So what? Don't go back into it. Hosea 13, verse 1. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he what? He died. And now they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols, according to their own understanding, all of the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calf, kiss the ring. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away as a chaff, that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor, and as the smoke out of the chimney. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior besides me. I did know thee in the wilderness and in the land of great drought. And off he goes. And what are they doing? When they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're trembling. But man, when they messed with Baal, what'd they do? They died. But look at verse 2. What'd they do? They offered sacrifices, and they start talking. They got aids to worship. They've taken on human viewpoint to figure out how to relate to and to worship to with to worship God. They looked at that and they said, "Wait a minute! You, you remember Moses comes down off that mountain? Here's the war in the camp and everything, and it's just them down there. And they got Aaron. And you know what? They remember what they said. This that golden calf. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. No, it's not." They knew better, but what are they doing? Wait a minute. We got How are we supposed to relate here to God? How are we supposed to worship God? Let's figure this out. And instead of going to God's way and doing it God's word, what did He do? He did this. They've let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. They send more and more their molten images of their silver and idols. Remember, I love that thing about the Ark of the Covenant goes in there with Dagon, the, the idol, the fish god. And by the end of the chapter, he's all falling to pieces all over the ground. They know better. But what are they? They're going on human viewpoint, not the Word of God. So the attack, come over to Judges 17. Both of the strategies here of the adversary is to move you to human viewpoint instead of God's Word. And when you do that, that will instantly move you, Judges 17, to a vain religious system instead of God's system that moves you into a doctrine of devils rather than sound doctrine. And you got to recognize that. You need to see this. Now, without reteaching the Satan church thing, just look here quickly, Judges 17. You've got Micah. Now, this isn't the prophet Micah. This is another Micah, verse 5. And the man Micah had a house of gods what do we call a house of gods? We call it a church building, don't we? Let's go down there to the house of God. Do you know that the house of God, the house, God doesn't sit in a building today? He sits in you. You're the temple of God. See? you're not. This building is an aid to worship. This building is a wonderful thing to be able to use, to gather, to come together, the house next door, the yard. The, it's, a, it's a tool to be used. It's a wonderful thing. But what has he got? He's got him a house of gods, doesn't he? I lost the verse. There it is. And made an ephod. Do you know what an ephod is? That's a robe. That's the priestly robe. Robe. He's got an ephod. A teraphim. And the teraphim, the, the teraphim is that little thing on the chain that hangs about right here. And they use, it's an aid of worship. A little idol here and consecrated one of his sons, who became his... Uh-oh. Now he's got a priest. He's got aides to worship. He's a priest. He's got him a priest. In those days, verse 6, here's the problem. There was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. The folly of human viewpoint is going to lead you to not doing it God's way, but to doing it your way. By the way, if you look down at verse 10, a Levite showed up. A Levite, he's a real guy. He's a real... Gen- he went to the right seminary school. He's on the right tribe. And you know what O Micah does? Verse 10, dwell with me and be unto me a what? A father. Now, this is a young man compared to age-wise. He's not Micah's father, but yet, religiously, you know a group of people that have, they call their their leaders fathers and priests. Before you get all holy-roly on Roman Catholics, the, the Protestants do it too. They just use different terminology. The right Reverend Rick, that's me. Thank you very much. Just kidding. That's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. All right. No, but that's what Reverend where does that come from? It's this stuff, folks. Paul says, if a man desires the office of, not anything else. Well, by the right Reverend Rick, you know, no. By the way, my I'm the only one that is allowed to have a bishop, Rick. <laughs> you figure that one out. That's Acts 1. Come on now. Okay. Hey, come on. It's only Sunday morning. The football game's not on until uh, another 15 minutes. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the drum roll. What's going on here? We got a father. Why does the Lord tell the apostles, don't you call any man father? Why? Because it's this stuff. By the way, Revelation 17, she's a queen. She's got a city. Do you know a city that sits with a guy that's a priest called Father Vatican City. I think, oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, but don't, again, don't the evangelical movements of today do the same thing. They just got to couch it a little different because we don't want to be like big bad Rome. We're going to be this over here. And you, I tell you what, folks, COVID exposed a lot of this if you were paying attention. That's what they are. Come over to Jeremiah 44. Yeah, the funny hats, that's something. By the way, Revelation 17, I'll just throw some of these up here. We did this in that study. She's got a golden cup. They're going to do a blood drink. You know what they do to the grape wine, the grape juice, abracadabra, mini-mini-mini-mo, and it's the blood of... I need Jeremiah forty four. Okay. They've got images in the house of God. They've got altars. They do sacrifices. They got a golden cup. They got a cake to eat. By the way, you work this stuff out. This is human blood. The cake ends up being human flesh. So now we're over in the overcomer parts of the book of the Revelation out there in the ages to come. You know what Paul calls this? He calls this the table of the devil. That's what he calls it. You with me? Jeremiah 44, by the way, she's called lady. Our lady. Our lady this, lady that. Jeremiah 44, verse number 15. Then all the men which knew that their wives had burned incense. You know what incense are in the Bible? It's a picture of prayer. So they're praying to unto other gods, and all the women that stood by, a great multitude, even all the people that dwelt in the land of Egypt and Pethros, and answered Jeremiah, saying, As for the word that thou hast spoken unto us, in the name of the Lord, we will not hearken unto thee. Attack number one. We're not going to do it God's way. We're going to do it our way. But we will certainly do whatsoever thing goeth forth out of our own mouths to burn incense unto the queen of heaven. Uh Uh-oh. There's her title, Queen of Heaven. By the way, just down the street, there's a church building with this name on it called the Queen of Our Lady of the Heaven. They get it all in one. Keep reading. gets even better. And to pour out the drink offerings unto her as we have done, we and our fathers, our kings and our princes in the city of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. I mean, that's right in the king, in the city of the great king right there. And in the streets of uh, uh, of Jerusalem, and then we had, uh, uh, for then had we plenty of uh, victuals, and were well, and saw no evil. But since we left off to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, and to pour out drink offerings, again, Psalm 16, that's blood, unto her we have, Wanted all things and have been consumed by the sword and by the famine. And when we had burned incense unto the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? It's just infiltrated all the way down. Come over to Romans 1. That whole thing, what did human viewpoint bring them to? Into believing a doctrine of devil. This is doctrines of devils, folks. This is moving away from, there's what God's doing, here's what God says is right, to, you know what? We're going to do it in our own mind, in our own thinking. We're going to do it our way. The great Sinatra, Elvis Presley song, I did it my way. That's literally what, where does that come from? It comes from an attack by the adversary. It's a strategy. Romans 1, verse 21, this is how humanity thinks this is how the world thinks you want a psychology degree and human humanity human psyche you don't need more, more than romans 1 2 and 3 if you need more than that go read first second samuel first second kings you'll get it it's clear as mud on it's clear as the nose on your face there it is how does man think because that when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were thankful What'd they do? Verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they said, we won't have Him. We're not going to have God in our knowledge. We're not going to do it God's word. Verse 21, they weren't thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Imaginations. Those are dreams. Those aren't real. Your mind works in two arenas. Thoughts. And imaginations, Genesis says. says. The thought is fact. Here's the facts. You know what the facts are? The sun rises every morning for us. That's a fact. Oh, I don't know, Rick, man. I think it's... No, that's an imagination. That's human viewpoint. What are they doing? Because what did man do? Man, what does man do? Not what are they doing, what... (laughs) Their vain and their their empty imaginations, their foolish heart was dark and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and the creeping things. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What did they develop? They developed a vain religious system. In scripture, it's called Baal. By the way, Baal has a male deity and a female deity. Ashtoreth. They do. They work in both. What does the God of the Bible say? There's what? One God. Now he's got three persons, three distinct person peoples in it. By the way, you understand that. This room is full of humanity, and yet we're 60 different people. But we're all what? Human. God is, and he's got a father a son they got three and holy spirit the three distinct persons it's not hard to grasp it's easy to grasp when you do what get out of this mess oh we got a hypostate you know no you just what is the god there's the godhead paul calls it there it is look at chapter 10 here's what these guys are doing here's what man does romans 10 folks this stuff is not difficult to grasp it's not difficult to see but it is difficult not to get Trapped in it, some of you can go around the room and give testimony of being trapped in something similar to this, where it isn't what God's word says, is just what the preacher said on Sunday or Wednesday night or Sunday night or in a YouTube ten-minuteer. No, what does the word of God say? Romans 10. Look at verse one. Here they are, brethren. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God. Isn't that interesting? But not according to knowledge. For if they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Think about that. What did Joshua have in Gilgal in the camp when those guys showed up? He had the word of God. He had Moses. He had it there. Gilgal is the headquarters of Israel on their military campaign into the land of Canaan. When they went in, and they go across the Jordan, they set it up, and that's headquarters. And then they, from headquarters, they launch out on their military attacks and campaigns. In Gilgal was the word. A copy had been made for Joshua. A copy had been made for every leader of Israel. They had it. They have the knowledge. But they didn't go by it, did they? They let it go and the result there in verse 3 is they go after establishing their own righteousness and that's the result in all of this they rejected God's Word they wanted to go you know, I, they come to Samuel and say we want us a king God says I'll give you a king but he's gonna be mine no we want one now so God says okay you, you pick him and they picked Saul. Saul was a bad guy. He was not a good guy. David was the guy. D- did they know that God was going to give them a king? Yeah. He told them. They just didn't want to do it God's way. That's what they're doing here. Now come over to 2 Corinthians 6. Because Paul is going to exhort you and I. So, the wiles of the de- the two main strategies of the devil. One get you away from God's word, follow human viewpoint. Okay? That will then lead into strategy number two of you leaving the message of God and going into a vain system of thinking and trying to do it your way and think about, well, it, I, the worst thing, I, I heard a guy the other day, goes, well, I, it just doesn't make logical sense to me. It doesn't have to. It's God's word. I said, what part of this isn't logical? It's God's word, first of all. You're to wrap your mind around his thinking, not say, oh, but the, the logic has to be there. Well, it's very logical when you get out of this and you think about it the way God has laid it out. Problem is, is this does what? It blinds the minds, Keeps it under control. Under, why? Lest the light of the glorious gospel shine in unto them. Let's keep it at bay. Now watch Paul, 2 Corinthians 6. Verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Now what happens in this chapter is people will say, For ye, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, see, you shouldn't marry unbelievers. Well, no, you shouldn't, but that's not what that verse is talking about. 1 Corinthians 7 deals with marrying unbelievers. Okay? Well, you shouldn't be in business with an unbeliever. Well, then how you doing? Because you can't do anything in this world today without rubbing an elbow with an unbeliever. Because there is not enough saved people that own businesses to be able to cover everything for you, okay? Now, you can find stuff to be okay with, and that's fine. And I'm going to talk, yeah, don't go to Target because they let this and this and this happen. Well, that's up to you. But that's not what this passage is talking about. You have great... Ability in First Corinthians six to make a choice and a decision for yourself in life, and be okay. Okay. By the way, there is no verse that says don't go to Target or Starbucks or Costco or uh, Burger King. I know. Whew. Boy, that two for one or man. Ooh, man. Whew. That fills the day right there. You know. Still. Dude, we went over there the other day, and it was 35 bucks, and it was just two of us. I'm like, wait a second. This used to be like $10. <laughs> they're like, well, not anymore, sir. So then what are we talking about? hundred years ago? Six months ago? <laughs> All right, look at what's going on. 1 Corinthians six fourteen. So what are we talking about? Watch the exhortation. Be ye not unequally yoked together. With unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Oh, there it is. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And I know what happened. Whoa, why does Paul quote Isaiah? Oh my goodness, he's quoting the Old Testament. You know why? Because when you go back and you look at Isaiah 52, where he's quoting this out of, Israel is in the same condition that the corinthians find themselves in that maybe you find yourself in getting an attachment to that vain religious system the unclean thing there has a context of being a part of the bail system being a part of denominationalism being a part of religion by the way bail's got denominations in it You begin to study that stuff out in Scripture, and there's Moloch this way, and Astaroth this way, and and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, your head's spinning. Paul says, what are you to do? Don't touch it. Don't be a part of it. You see, folks, the passage is about you joining yourself to a vain religious system, to a doctrine of devils. Paul quotes Isaiah, and he brings the application to us. By the way, not the fulfillment of, but the picture here. Because if you join that vain religious system out there, it will cause you to move away from who you are in Christ. Folks, we live in a dark, desperate, doomed world. And the world about us needs us to be who we are in Christ. Satan knows that. And he's trying to move you away. How does he do it? Scriptural, but not dispensational. Just a little bit off. You know how much it takes to be a lie? One little tick, and it's a lie. Folks, our faith needs to be resting in the truth of God's word. And that truth then works in you and then works out through you in the details of your life where you are. We're all different in here. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're not like me. It would be very boring. Very frustrating, too. (laughs) And I'm glad I'm not like you. It would be, yeah, exactly, you bet. Why? Because, but what are we? Who are we? You see, let's not be moved away from that. Because if you are moved away from the truth of God's word, rightly divided, the dispensational thought process, and you're moved into this, it's just one word. Just this. It's just that little bit. It leads you to a mess. Don't sacrifice who God made you in Christ for a moment of temporal bliss that ultimately will pass away. Everything that you can hold on to with your hands, you will lose it in the end. But everything that you hold on to by faith in Christ and who He is and who He's made you will live forever, and you'll never lose it. And what the adversary wants to do in these two broad strategies, we'll see some stuff underneath each one, as he comes in and he says, did God really say that? Maybe you ought to look at the Greek. Maybe you ought to look at the Hebrew. Maybe, did you consider this version? Well, not really. Well, why not? Now what are we doing? Is it the word hell or is it the word Hades? Well, they're both the same. No, they're not. Without, not see, now we're what are we debating? All of this stuff that really doesn't mean anything in the end. It's just gone. Let's be who we are in Christ. He'll come along. Oh, it's five after. She's going to hit me. Uh, get second Timothy first Timothy no that's not it get second Timothy one verse 8 we'll close here second Timothy 1 verse 8 be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord there's his word. There's the word of the Lord, nor of me his prisoner. There's the Apostle Paul, the one that brings the message of grace and peace, the one that is the due time testifier about the riches of the goodness of God. But be thou partakers of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God. Folks, don't let the adversary move you away just because you want to have something different or something new. By the way, there's nothing new under the sun. Stand on who you are. Learn who you are. If you don't know who you are, let's learn who you are. And then go stand in that. Because those strategies come. They don't come with the, hey, I'm here, strategy one to get you. They come what? Sleight of hand, cunning craftiness. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the message of grace, for the instructions here. And Lord, I just pray that we would think on these things, look into them, study them out, make them ours. And then stand on the truth of your word rightly divided. And do so for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.